My name is Padraig Tuma, and I have such respect for sad poetry because there are sad things that happen in our lives. And sadness can be a very difficult thing to face. Perhaps we might reject it or try to change it. But a poem that has arrived at the stage where it can look at sadness and say, yeah, here it is, and perhaps use some beautiful language to describe it, to just let it be, in a certain sense that's saying sadness isn't everything, but it's in this poem in order for me to be able to acknowledge it, listen to its truth, and speak back to it too. Seasonal Without Spring, Autumn by André Sherpa When I woke for school the next day, the sky was uniform and less than infinite with the confusion of autumn and my father, as he became distant with disease, the way a boy falls beneath the ice before the men that cannot save him, the cold like a forever on his lips. Soon he was never up before us, and we'd jump on the bed. Wake up, wake up. And my sister's hair was still in curls then, and my favourite photograph still hung. My father's back to us, leading a bicycle uphill. At the top, the roads vanish and turn. The leaves lent yellow in a frozen sprint of light, and there, the forward motion. The nights I laid in the crutch of my parents' doorway and dreamt awake, listened like a field of snow. I heard no answer. Then, sleepless, slept in my own arms beneath the window to the teacher's blank and lull. Mrs. Belmont's lesson on Eden that year. Autumn. Dusk. My bicycle beside me in the withered and yet-to-be leaves and my eyes closed fast beneath the mystery of migration. The flocks rippled wake. This poem of Andres Sherpa is from a book that spends a lot of time reflecting on his own father's early diagnosis with Parkinson's disease. His father was in his mid-40s when he was diagnosed and Andres was only 11. So a lot of the book is about things fading, seeing the back of things and things being misty and not graspable. You can even hear that in some of the sentences in this poem. They don't all finish completely. They're kind of left there, hanging. Things aren't quite complete. So the poem is a long meditation and things ending before they should. Still being there, it's not like he's gone, but it's not like he's fully there either. And in this poem you hear how Andre Sherpa had to grow up quickly. And as a result of needing to grow up quickly, he's had all kinds of questions about what it means to be living. He was a young man, he was a boy, my God. And perhaps he is lamenting in a certain sense the lack of things finishing in the way that he would have wished they had. starts with when I woke for school the next day. The next day after what? 
He's 11 in this poem, it seems to me, and maybe it's the day after his parents told him and his sister about the diagnosis. So much of childhood is about routine, you know, morning routines and parents awake and school, maybe a uniform, depending as to what school you're going for. And in this, what we hear is that they begin to notice that routine changing. Soon, his father is never up before them. And they're kind of playing, wake up, wake up. But perhaps, too, that's a long echo of something much more serious, which is to say, wake up from that thing that's taking you away from us. Why is he waiting by his parents' bedroom as a boy and he's like a field of snow? (laughs) What a beautiful simile. There's so much of autumn in this poem, but we hear somehow that this boy has moved toward winter in his mind and how complicated to be caught up there You know, the effects of the condition are clear to him. Somehow he has understood, even though he's looking for answers, he somehow has an understanding that winter is going to be coming. And with that, silence. And with that, the absence of things. Toward the end of the poem, when he's remembering himself in that class, you know, he's been staying awake at night, trying to listen to his parents talking, hoping that he might get some answers. He's in the crutch of the door, as he calls it. And he isn't getting any answers, so he's asleep while Mrs. Belmont is talking about the Garden of Eden. My God, who cares about the Garden of Eden when everything is falling apart around you? But it's his own arms, and I wonder whose arms he wishes he was sleeping in. The poem is almost like a self-comforting now as an adult, and I find that such a profound wisdom in the poem, is that he is perhaps experiencing and re-experiencing as an adult the isolation and the loneliness he felt, even though he wasn't alone. His mother is there, his sister's there, there's other people there too, but he was experiencing something alone. And this poem is a kind of an embrace to his younger self. And that is so wise, so profound, and it's not nothing. It actually could be everything. Early on in this poem, André Serpa says of his father, as he became distant with disease, the way a boy falls beneath the ice before the men that cannot save him. So we're getting these images in the poem of of distant. And the father is becoming distant the way a boy might. And that's a very strange reversal of image. And you see later on where the boy, the 11-year-old, is staying awake at night trying to find answers, listening to his parents talk. He doesn't find them. But there's this role reversal. He's growing up so quickly. Lots of us have had to see our parents in a new way, but for him, it's so particular. And then there's even that photograph that was his favourite. You know, his dad is leading a bike uphill just ahead of whoever took the photo. He's in front and he knows the way and there might be roads ahead and You know, you would imagine that if you're following your dad who's in front of you leading a bike uphill and there's roads ahead that you'd trust that your dad would know which way to go. But in this poem, we're hearing that um, that's not going to be the case, that he will be the one to lead his father on. And even though that photograph was his favourite, it doesn't seem like he has that anymore. That's gone too. So there's fading happening, not dying, but fading and watching something fade. I know so many people who will hear this poem and go, oh yeah, me too. That long ache. It's not necessarily that they're saying they wished it was different or that they wished that illness came in a different way, but they're finding themselves with a strange kind of a living grief. 
and they'll remember the feeling of that in the body and the anticipation about time that happens when you're in those circumstances. Because when you know that there is a, an inevitable decline that's happening, that automatically attunes you in a certain sense towards time. What is it about bicycles in this poem? A bike is a, is a direction of travel. It's something you can carry with you. It's simple. It's been around for a long time. It's expected. It's also a rite of passage being taught to ride a bike by whoever it is that teaches you, someone in the family or a neighbour or wherever you've learned to ride a bike. And perhaps the usage of a bike here is a certain form of love and remembrance and bicycle trips. And suddenly these bicycle trips are going to be alone and maybe they're going through ransacked cities of somebody's mind where he's the one who is able to ride the bike through landscape that somebody used to know but doesn't know anymore. This poem ends in such an unusual way. The last lines of the poem are, And my eyes closed fast beneath the mystery of migration, the flocks rippled wake. And then there's a colon, two points rather than a period. It's so interesting to introduce migration and a flock of birds in the final line of the poem, but there's no reference to birds anywhere throughout it. There is reference to season, though. So there's an imagination of birds leaving, but with the expectation that they'll come back. And that, I think, is part of the sadness of this poem, is that he knows that what is leaving in front of him is not going to be coming back. That last word, wake, you know, you can think of so many cultures across the world who have a wake after somebody's died as well. And that, too, I think, is an anticipation of the future, that what the future will hold will be awake. This poem ends with a, a colon. And why would you do that? Indicating something's to come after, but it's blank. Maybe he's imagining what could have been for his father had not this diagnosis come. Or he's imagining for himself, or he's saying that when you're 11 and trying to figure all this out, that your own future seems like a blank in front of you. I don't know, but it's an amazing way of using unexpected punctuation to leave you hanging a little bit, to leave you anticipating, to leave you yearning for something that isn't there. In that colon, those two tiny little points of ink on the page, we too were brought into the fact that this experience for him as a child didn't have a proper ending and his telling of the story of his father too doesn't have an ending that they would have desired. There's a famous Irish fiddle player, Martin Hayes, who speaks about melancholy in Irish music. And he says that melancholy isn't something to be avoided, that actually both melancholy and happiness can lead us into a certain sweet kind of reflection. And the melancholy in this poem is so powerful. So many of the poems in Andres Sherpa's book describe how he tried to escape from himself over the ensuing years as his father continued fading and he felt himself like he was lost of something. Andres Sherpa's father did die 
years after this poem is set. He died in 2017. And what's beautiful, I think, in the attention he gives to the sadness of this experience is that he is now old enough to be able to say, yeah, it was sad. He couldn't fight against it. He couldn't stop it. He couldn't get answers. He can just look with melancholy and sadness. And that is a deep wisdom. And actually, in a strange way, it's a profound kind of good news to say that there will come a day when you can be sad for the things that you should be sad about rather than ripped apart from yourself, not even present to yourself. And that, I think, is a deep wisdom at the heart of this poem that invites all of us to think, if the sadness is too much for now, well then, a state of healing in the future will be when I'll be able to look at this and recognise the sadness that's right about the moment. Seasonal Without Spring, Autumn, by André Sherpa. When I woke for school the next day, the sky was uniform and less than infinite, with the confusion of autumn and my father as he became distant with disease the way a boy falls beneath the ice before the men that cannot save him, the cold like a forever on his lips. Soon, he was never up before us and we'd jump on the bed wake up wake up and my sister's hair was still in curls then and my favourite photograph still hung my father's back to us leading a bicycle uphill at the top the roads vanish and turn the leaves lent yellow in a frozen sprint of light and there the forward motion the nights I laid in the crutch of my parents' doorway and dreamt awake listened like a field of snow. I heard no answer, then, sleepless, slept in my own arms beneath the window to the teacher's blank and lull Mrs. Belmont's lesson on Eden that year. Autumn. Dusk. My bicycle beside me in the withered and yet-to-be leaves and my eyes closed fast beneath the mystery of migration. The flocks rippled wake. Seasonal Without Spring, Autumn, comes from Andres Sherpa's book, Bicycle in a Ransacked City, an Elegy. Thank you to the Permissions Company on behalf of Alice James Books, who gave us permission to use Andres's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org.
Poetry Unbound is Gotham Shrikishan, Aaron Kalasako, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gotham Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen, or visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.